Amid a wave of anti-Semitic incidents in Canada, Jewish students are speaking out, highlighting the dangers of being Jewish on Canada's campuses. The city of Calgary has dropped all charges against two men who were en route to the One Million March for Children in Calgary, who were having a private conversation on an almost empty train carriage. An Australian senator compared Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's handling of the Freedom Convoy to Communist China's social credit system. Hello Canada, it's Wednesday, November 15th, and this is True North's Daily Brief. I'm Cosman Georgia. And I'm Lindsay Shepard. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Canadian Jewish students are speaking out against the concerning rise in anti-Semitism that has plagued Canada's college and university campuses following the October 7th Hamas terrorist attack on Israel. As reported by True North, various anti-Semitic incidents have taken place on campuses, including vile anti-Zionist statements, posters of kidnapped Israelis being torn down, violent Islamist graffiti, as well as physical confrontations. Adam Dober, a political science student at the University of British Columbia, has been wearing a kippah on campus since the October 7th Hamas attack, a decision that has come with consequences. Dober told True North, quote, I do not feel comfortable identifying as Jewish or Israeli in certain class contexts because there are some departments of this university that are overtly hostile to Israel. There are some spaces on campus, progressive, social justice-oriented spaces, where I'm basically a persona non grata. I'm not even welcome into the room. Michael Mandel, a political science and Jewish studies student at York University, echoed Dober's concerns. Mandel told True North, Some of my close friends have been called anti-Semitic slurs for their faces and have experienced anti-Semitism either from professors or other students. For safety reasons, it's best not to be visibly Jewish. Some of my friends have bought weapons, like pocket knives or bear spray, amid fears of being attacked. You can read Ellie Cantine Nantel's exclusive at www.tnc.news. As somebody who completed university about five years ago, I'm honestly not surprised by some of these sentiments. I think they were brewing and bubbling under the surface for quite some time. Every time that Israel or Palestine was in the news cycle, I remember seeing protests and different sorts of posters across my campus where I went to school that, were, that showed these latent sentiments. But now it's just become more obvious and even more fashionable for progressive students to express these things openly and out loud. Cosman, I think the most egregious incident happened last week. Um, when there was footage circulating online of the University of Montreal professor Yanis Arab telling Jewish Concordia students to go back to Poland, Sharmuta, which is the Arabic word for, you know, prostitute, but in a more derogatory way. And as a result, the University of Montreal has delisted him as faculty. Because, I mean, you can't have professors or faculty saying those kinds of things towards students, especially not when it's involving an, you know, an ethnic conflict. 
And then you're using some sort of gendered slur on top of that. The city of Calgary has recently dropped all charges against two men previously accused under a controversial transit bylaw. This development involving the Democracy Fund, a civil liberties organization, has sparked discussions regarding free speech and municipal governance. The case involved two men who were en route to the One Million March for Children in Calgary. The accused reportedly engaged in a private conversation with a like-minded passenger in an almost empty train carriage. Upon exiting the train, the two men were apprehended by enforcement officers, one of the men was handcuffed while police confirmed his identity, and they were both issued tickets and summoned for a court appearance scheduled for late November 2023. The police did not inform either of the two men about what specific actions violated the bylaw. The charges were subsequently dropped without disclosure, prompting questions about the handling of the case. The charges were rescinded following communication from the city to Alan Honor, the Democracy Fund's litigation director, who had not received prior disclosure despite requests. Shortly after the arrest, the Democracy Fund, advocating for the accused, highlighted the conflict with free speech. Honor plans to meet with his clients to decide whether they intend to pursue information regarding their dropped charges with an alternative legal avenue. Cosman, it's good to hear that these charges were dropped, but do Canadians have to worry about getting arrested because of what they're saying on public transit? I think it's promising that this is one of the only cases where this bylaw was applied and it ended in complete failure. But yes, I think the concern is real and there are these progressive councillors and mayors across Canada who have taken it upon themselves to write new bylaws, which is the only thing within their power. I mean, they can't change the criminal code, they can't change the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, so they pursue this uh, petty totalitarianism, and they try to force their views on others and repress views that they find disagreeable or not in line with their political agendas. And we see this in Calgary, especially with Calgary Mayor G.O.T. Gondek, who I think has taken that city further left than it has ever been before. No government, especially not municipal ones, have any right to police what people say on a train, on a subway, or on the bus, or outside, or anywhere, quite frankly. These two individuals did not break any criminal laws. They did not engage in criminal hate speech, which is actually legislated in Canada. And you know, people have different thoughts about that, how far governments should go in actually curbing certain forms of speech. But this is an egregious example, and it's not only in Calgary. As the article mentions, it's in multiple different cities. And in Ontario, the Ontario NDP actually wants to expand this province-wide. So if they ever get elected, I could see this becoming a thing in Ontario where the Ontario government legislates new laws that prohibit people from protesting or speaking their minds. I don't know if you recall, but earlier this year in the spring, in April, the Ontario NDP MPP Kristen Wong Tam in particular appeared with a bunch of, you know, bearded and mustachioed drag queens in legislature to, you know, profess the deadly serious situation of, of protesting against trans rights when in reality it was a bunch of people protesting for parental rights. So it's hard to take these progressive politicians seriously when they run a clown show in their own provinces or jurisdictions. 
Nearly two years after the fact, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's decision to invoke the Emergencies Act and freeze the bank accounts of Freedom Convoy truckers continues to be condemned by international voices. In a speech before the Australian Senate on Monday, Liberal Party Senator Alex Antic compared Trudeau's methods to quash peaceful protesters in February 2022 to the Chinese Communist Party's social credit system. Senator Antic made the comparison while discussing the dangers governments were dabbling with when considering adopting central bank digital currencies and digital identities for citizens. Now, I've been warning about digital ID for some time, and it wasn't so long ago that, like many of these issues which turn out to be correct, it was considered to be nothing but a conspiracy theory. Closer to home, the Labor government will soon introduce an Australian version of the digital ID legislation, and consultation on that bill has recently closed. And you can see how it's going to happen. Then we'll get a digital currency, and once those steps are in place, a digital snare trap will have been created. And we saw how that worked a couple of years ago with the financial cancellation of the Canadian truckers when they were protesting COVID lockdowns and freedoms. The advancement of technology is inevitable, but this push towards a digital ID future is another step towards a Chinese Communist Party-style social credit system, which will force you to support the current thing at the risk of total cancellation. We must reject a digital ID future, and time is running out for people in this place to understand that they are playing with... After the Freedom Convoy protests were declared illegal by the Liberal government, Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Christia Freeland announced that the Emergencies Act would empower financial institutions to freeze bank accounts and cancel insurance for protesters. The act also relied on anti-money laundering and terrorist financing regulations to target funds associated with the protest movement, which opposed the government's draconian COVID-19 lockdowns and vaccine mandates. Here we are nearly two years after the fact, after Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked the unprecedented use of the Emergencies Act to quash peaceful protesters who stood up to his government's overreach. And we still have international politicians condemning Trudeau, and I think this is going to remain a permanent stain on Canada's record, at least as long as the Liberal government is in power. Cosman, we do know that Canada, as well as other nations, are working on central bank digital currencies right now. Canada has said, you know, in the latest update that they're ensuring that they have a digital currency ready for when Canadians want one. And they're just, it kind of seems like they're just waiting to see when cash becomes obsolete. So if you're someone who values the cash economy, but maybe you're not using paper money and coins as much as you want to be, then, you know, any day now, it's, it's a good day to switch over and show that, show businesses that you want cash to stick around. But this Australian liberal senator, Alex Antic, he's also pointed out last year how it seems that the World Economic Forum is influencing Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's cabinet. Because as Klaus Schwab said himself, you know, we penetrate the cabinets. Absolutely, and Antic isn't the only international critic of uh, Justin Trudeau's actions this year. On April 19th this year, Dutch MEP Marcel de Graaf compared the Liberal government's crackdown on Freedom Convoy protesters to a social credit system akin to China's as well. 
This comparison seems to reverberate around the world, and I'd like to point out that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau himself identified with the Chinese Communist government in an interview where he called it, you know, his favorite basic dictatorship and expressed admiration for the Chinese style of governance. That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. <laughs>